This is The Guardian. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. At rallies across the country, people gathered in close proximity without face coverings on to make their point. They're divisive. Wear a mask. If you can't do that, I don't have much respect for it. Easy to leave behind. I do think that in shops, uh, it is very important to uh, wear a face covering if you're going to be in a, a confined space. And how do you even know you're wearing the right type? The CDC released this blotted map saying all Americans should wear masks indoors where COVID spread is substantial or high. I'm Madeline Finley, and from The Guardian, this is the Science Weekly Podcast. Someone who's been thinking a lot about masks over the past 18 months is Kath Noakes, professor at the University of Leeds, a leading expert on the spread and transmission of COVID-19, and a member of the government's scientific advisory group, SAGE. Kath, there have been what feels like endless debates about masks, so let's get straight to the point. How well do they really work? Potentially, they can be very effective but they rely on a number of things coming together. So they rely on, you know, the the quality of the face mask, then they rely on the person actually wearing the face mask. Uh, And I think those things, when you've, you have to add them together for it to work. Let's dig into that first factor, the quality of the masks. And starting with the highest quality someone on the street might be wearing, what's known as the N95 masks or FFP2s, which are fitted to the face and kind of look a bit beaky. How effective are these? An N95 or FFP2 mask, they are designed to 
block or prevent you inhaling 95% of the aerosols and droplets that uh, you might be exposed to. But actually, they perform even better than that 95% because the 95% refers to like the particle size that they perform the worst at. We talk about aerosols, we talk about droplets. They're actually a sort of continuum of particles that we emit. And we emit particles that are between about... 0.1 micron in diameter up to well over 100 microns in diameter. And just to give a bit of context for that, the thickness of your hair is around about 60 microns. So these um, N95 or FFP2 type masks, they're made of materials that can stop pretty much all of those particles. And a really common mistake that people make is that they think that, well, it's just like a sieve and the particles are smaller than the sizes in the, the fabric. But that's not true. They're not just a sieve. So first of all, they're like a multi-layer sieve. So lots and lots of different layers of fabric. And then they also work by stopping those particles in lots of different ways. So they use electrostatic methods to stop them. They use like gravity deposition to stop them. And so these particles, they, they just can't find their way through the fibres of the masks. We always hear that masks are protecting other people rather than yourself. So is it stopping particles from getting in or from getting out? All masks will do both. Um... But they, they actually start particles getting out slightly better than getting in. And one of the reasons for that is when we breathe out, the particles we breathe out are in saliva, if you think about it. And as they come out in your mouth and into the air, they evaporate and they get smaller. But when we catch them in a mask, we catch them before they get smaller. So we catch them when they're bigger and bigger particles are easier to catch. So actually they, they work slightly better when they're on the infected person than when they're on the recipient, should we say. So we've got the highest quality masks with all this great tech inside them. Moving down the line to disposable and cloth masks, let's start with the disposable ones. How effective are these in comparison to the N95 masks? In terms of the biggest particles, they're actually almost as good, but they're not as good at um, either protecting you or preventing the smaller particles from being released. There are studies that show that they will prevent around about 80% of the bigger particles from being released and probably up to about 50% of the smaller particles, depending on the quality of the mask. So surgical face masks, the, the blue ones that we see an awful lot of, the actual material quality is almost as good as the N95. But the thing that lets a surgical mask down is the fact that you've got gaps around the sides of your face. When it comes to cloth masks, it's a little bit more patchy what the quality is. So if you've got a really flimsy single layer cloth mask, it's probably not going to either provide you with much protection or protect other people very much. But if you've got a, a three layer cloth mask that's got a it's tightly fitting on your face and uh, it's got a really tight weave to the fabric, the chances are it will perform nearly as well as the surgical mask. Now, you're saying tightly fitted to the face and of course it's unlikely to be perfect but I would like to get into a bit of a bugbear of mine and I'm pretty sure plenty of our listeners will find this frustrating too. What about having your nose covered? That's pretty important, right? 
It is really important because for two reasons. One is, I suppose, if you're the person infected um, and you've covered your mouth, all of what you're breathing out comes out of your nose. And if you think when we uh, when you do a test, a lateral flow test or a PCR test, you stick the swab up your nose. That tells us that there's virus in your nose. But also, if you've just covered your mouth, but your nose is open, well, you're just breathing in all of that air through your nose. <laughs> you're still breathing the same virus in. So it will not provide really any protection at all if you don't cover your nose. Kath, there's one other kind of face covering that we haven't discussed yet, which is the full face shield visor with the foam headband. How good are those at preventing us breathing the virus in or out? So in terms of breathing out the virus, they do very little. Um, And in fact, in some cases, they may well make the problem worse because particularly if, you know, the person with the face shield is standing above you, the air they breathe out will hit the face shield and be directed downwards and to where you're sitting, for example. Where they might provide some protection is if people are in close proximity to others, they will protect against the largest droplets but again they won't protect very much at all against the aerosols it's it's really tiny protection something like two percent protection against aerosols the next point is who is wearing the mask is it something that people who have had both their covid vaccinations still need to be thinking about Uh, yes you should so we already know that some people who've been double vaccinated have what we call breakthrough infections. You know, the vaccination's not 100%, so you can still get infected. But also we know as well that people who are infected who've been vaccinated, and particularly with the Delta variant, can still have quite a high viral load, so they may still transmit it to other people. We've done the what and who. Next up is when and where. So starting with the when... How important is the length of time that you're wearing a mask? Let's say I have forgotten my mask and I want to quickly pop into a shop to grab something. I'm in there for no more than a couple of minutes. How much difference does that make? (laughs) It all comes down to probabilities, I guess. Um, If you are either the person who is infected or you, in those 10 minutes where you pop into the supermarket, happen to be very close to somebody who's infected, then forgetting your mask is a problem because, you know, you put yourself at risk there. But then most of the time that won't be the case. I think the risk is is that if we think that all the time, then we very quickly say, oh, well, what's the point of wearing a mask? And how about the type of space that you're in? Let's say somewhere really confined, like a car or a lift. That's probably the places where it will give the greatest impact, either as source or protection, because you're in a space where the air that you're sharing, it's a really small volume of air. So if somebody is breathing out virus into that space, well, you're the person breathing out virus, it's going to make more of a difference than, let's say, you're in a a huge supermarket with a great big air volume. Now, another point of potential confusion prior to masks becoming optional, that in a restaurant or pub, you would be asked to wear them when you were going to the bar or the toilet, basically when you left the table, but you could take them off when you were sat down. Does that actually help? Sometimes it's probably a very 
minimal effect. But I think if you are, say, walking down a, a narrower corridor, you passing somebody close by, then it might have an effect. And then certainly when you go into the toilets, because it's a small volume space again, any virus that's in there will be more concentrated because the air volume is smaller. Having gone through the effectiveness of masks at the individual level, let's get on to the societal level. How much do we know about how well they prevent transmission when we're actually looking at the population scale? This is where it gets a bit more patchy. At a population level, it will depend on the number of people who are wearing masks and the number of environments that they wear them in. So you have to look at places where masks are mandated for longer periods of time. And there are a few studies. So there are some from the US where they've put stronger mask mandates in certain states and seen changes in the rates of infection. And then there's a recent, what they call a randomised control trial in Bangladesh, where they looked at uh, surgical and cloth masks. And there they saw that where they had more people wearing them more frequently, it had an impact overall on population transmission. It was about 11%. That sounds quite small, but that's about the same as what we've measured through handwashing for respiratory diseases in the past. And Kath, just to finish off this deep dive into mask wearing, winter is coming. And so there's going to be plenty of other viruses about soon too. Should we all be making an effort to go back to wearing masks more regularly? Absolutely. And and I think, you know, especially if you're if you've got a cold, you know, you've had your COVID test, you know you've not got COVID, but if you're out and about, don't go and cough over everybody and splutter over them. Actually wearing a mask is quite a polite thing to do to prevent other people getting infected. So, Kath, you must wear your mask all the time still. I do, yeah. Yes, I still, if I'm, if I'm on the train or I go to the supermarket, or, well, I'm still working from home, but if I do go into work, I do wear my mask, yes. Um, anywhere where I'm interacting with other people. Thanks to Professor Kath Noakes. If you have any questions about COVID-19 you'd like answering, do get in touch with us at scienceweekly at theguardian.com. You can also find a link to all our coronavirus coverage on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And if you can't get enough of Guardian podcasts, I'd like to recommend Thursday's episode of Today in Focus, which is looking at the energy crisis, not one to miss. That's it from us. We'll be back next week. See you on Tuesday. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson, Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.